Welcome to Adulthood Made Easy, a podcast from Real Simple Magazine that will not only help you navigate real life, but win at real life. I'm your host, Sam Zabel. You probably know my guest today from her viral Atlantic article, Why Women Still Can't Have It All. In 2012, Anne-Marie Slaughter wrote about the delicate balance between work and family, especially while pursuing a top job. And this piece sparked an enormous debate across the Internet, both from women who felt that she'd finally articulated what they'd been feeling and others who felt the term having it all put too much pressure on women to be successful without addressing larger issues of gender or workplace equality. But since that article, uh, Slaughter has done a lot of things. For one, she's joined the think tank New America as president and CEO, but she still spends a lot of time speaking across the country about the need for workplace equality. And to continue that discussion, she wrote Unfinished Business, which came out earlier a couple months ago. It's a new book on women, men, work, and family. And then most recently, she spoke to the University of Utah for their commencement. And I want to share a quote with you right now. She said, here are the three points, precepts, and principles that I hope you will remember. Care is as important as career, heart is as important as head, and family is as important as fame. So I'm welcoming Anne-Marie Slaughter here today to help me discuss what people our age of our generation can do to consider that balance, that tension, and, and how we can figure out how to balance all of those precepts, points, and principles that she mentioned in her commencement speech. So welcome to Anne-Marie Slaughter. It's such a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for being here today. I know you are are probably so busy because, like I said, you're speaking all across the country, and there's a <laughs> lot going on right now for this discussion of workplace equality, especially they just had the State of Women Summit. So I imagine you're in high demand. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm, I'm delighted. I'm a great Real Simple fan. I really am. My sister-in-law bought it for me as a birthday present some eight years ago. So I'm I'm particularly happy to talk to your audience. Well, great. So my first question is that that message that you sent to the commencement speakers, because I think that something from people my age is you hear this idea of work-life balance and family versus work, and it's just not something that we're thinking about right now. I mean, <laughs> we're so work-focused. I'm 24 years old, and when someone talks to me about having children, my whole entire body, like, tenses up. You know what I mean? I'm like, oh, that's, <laughs> yeah. I have like 40 years before I have to think about that. Like there's, that's never going to happen. So, so why did you think that this was so, such an important message to give to graduates? Because I, I do think that you come out of college and you're just like career, 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 but you kind of went a different direction. I did. And, and I honestly, at 24, I felt exactly the same way you do. I, I'm not, Children were in the far distant land of my 30s. Yes, further. I'm like like, 80 years old, maybe. (laughs) Well, you and I should talk. But, um, you know, that's of course that's right. And that's what college is about, uh, which is to prepare you for your career. So it's natural then you're coming out. Your biggest concern is, will I get a job and will I get a job I like? But commencements, of course, are a time for trying to lift people's sights and hopefully leave them with some things that even if they don't understand or grasp or are interested in fully at the time, they will remember later. And the thing I want people to think about even at your age is to understand that how you feel now is 
quite likely not how you will feel in 10 years. Mm-hmm. If you're 24 and look back to 14, right, that right. was a whole century so ago. Embarrassing. Well, if you look forward <laughs> to 34, at least if you, like many women, somehow in your mid-30s, sometimes some times it, it comes that that's, that's all you're thinking about if you haven't started a family and you want one. So what I'm saying to people is there will come this time where family uh, seems more important. And, of course, for others, if their parents are ill or need taking care of or, or uh, you know, people who fall ill or, or disabled family members. And what I want to say to them is when that happens, it's okay. It's not that you're now somehow failing because you're not going all at, all out at your career. It's that there's these other parts of your life and these other parts of who you are. You're a caring being as well as a competitive being. And I want you to think of them equally. And I want you to prepare at least for the idea that you need to think about, well, if I wanted to slow down, how would I do that? If I wanted to be a freelancer for a while, what things, what skills do I have that I could practice on a, on a freelancer gig basis? If there's something I've always wanted to do that is more regular, than whatever it is I'm doing now, maybe I should think about preparing to do that at some later date. So it's really just, as you're starting out, understand that you will change and that all of us have these two sides. And it kind of seems to me, and the more I hear you talk now and the more I read, it seems to me like that's some of it's on us, like for us to think that way, but some of it, it feels like there's a gap in in how we're positioned in college, like to come up with five-year plans, 10-year plans, what are you <laughs> yeah. doing next year? I mean, we're, we are positioned to think of things, to think of a five-year plan that revolves around professional success and like, yes. what's your promotional schedule and, you know, what, where do you want to work? And, and it, it's never like, where do you want to start a family? It's always, so where do you want to work? Exactly. You know I mean? In fact, somebody wrote me after my article, this wonderful young woman uh, from who had been at Princeton, and she said that when she wanted to move across the country to join her boyfriend, everybody, you know, essentially looked down on her. Oh yeah. Uh, and she said, she said ironically, she said if if I'd wanted to move across the country to join my girlfriend, that might have been better. But yeah. the traditional idea that I'm a woman who's going to you know leave my job to follow a man was looked down on, and yet she said, but but you know. Having a family, having a man that I love, that's really important to me, too. And why didn't Princeton teach me to focus on both things? You know, I, the one thing I'll also say is we are, we're also telling your generation, and that was part of my second message, that, that most of the jobs you think you may have won't be there anymore. That's what I, I say that all the – it's so funny that you say that because I say – that all the time. And when people say, someone just asked me yesterday, is this like how you're going to make your living? And I said, I don't think my my dream job that I'm going to be in where I make my big living has been invented yet. I yes. said, I think that the people who are making my dream company are like sitting in a basement, like on their couches, <laughs> like inventing this idea. And in a couple of years, it'll launch and I'll run to it. I say that all Completely. the time. It's so funny. I mean, yes, when you look at things like the book, The Rise of the Robots this mm-hmm. year, and, and just in general, there must be five different reports on the future of work. New America just launched one with Bloomberg this week, where the combination of automation and different technologies that we can't even imagine yet, uh, and, and automation at a high level, so self-driving trucks, 
in many, in 29 states, truck driving is the largest male occupation. Well, that won't be there anymore. So, you know, the things we can think of now won't be there. And absolutely, the jobs that will be there are being invented now. So I actually tell, tell young people to think of, uh, think about having a portfolio of skills. Uh, that can be mixed and matched for all sorts of different purposes. So look at somebody who is right now doing something you might want that you think you want to do and and break it down into, well, they're a good writer, they're a good public speaker, they've had management experience, they've had strategic experience, maybe they've had fundraising experience, and then just see what comes your way uh, and wh- how can you ch- check those boxes, but not as a I'm going to be, you know, uh, I'm going to start as an analyst and then I'm going to be a program associate and then I'm going to be, yeah. you know, right. forget it. That's and, not going to work. And, you know, you've, like I said, you, you're going across the country speaking and you've already said that you've talked to a lot of people my age. What are the biggest concerns you hear from them? Both, I'm curious also about like young men when it comes to this this balance. Are they thinking about it yet? Other than the woman who moved across the country with her boyfriend, but like, are, what are you hearing from our generation? Like, what does work-life balance look like to us? I mean, I have an idea of what it looks like to me, but I'm just curious since you've spoken to more people than I have. So, the younger the audience, the more, the higher the percentage of men. Oh, okay, which I find enormously encouraging, and indeed at business schools and at law schools. So you know, college. Obviously, people are thinking about getting through college, but business school and law school now often those are are young men and women who've taken time out after college. So they're often in their mid to later twenties, and they are definitely thinking, how are we? going to have families and work, and how are we going to fit that together? And actually, in Unfinished Business, I have a whole set of questions that I recommend right. uh, You know, a, a young woman or a young man, but often a young woman, ask her prospective mate to make sure he understands that supporting her career is likely to mean making trade-offs uh, in his own and vice versa. Because that, if, 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 if he's not thinking that way, then he's not actually thinking seriously about, uh, what it means to have two equal careers. So I think young, uh, you know, people in their mid to late twenties now who are either together or maybe just thinking about having kids on their own. And, the, you know, of course, there are also same sex couples. So this isn't just a man and a woman are, are thinking, well, wait a minute. The, we know that we want the man to be an equal caregiver. They know that he's not likely to get paternity leave. They know that in many ways the workplace is not respo- not yet fully responsive to those concerns, and they want very concrete strategies for how you do it. So a very common question is, how do I talk to my boss about uh, needing more flexibility. And my answer is, A, don't do it just as a woman. Uh, you know, create a group about working better. There's this wonderful website called Open Work, mm-hmm. just like OpenGov or Open Source. Think about how, how are we reimagining work for this century uh, or next five years. Let's start with that. I also tell people, you know, talk to your boss and say, I think I could do a better job for you if you let me do the following things and let's experiment. As we're looking for jobs and as we're looking at careers, you mentioned once you're there, maybe once you know your your family planning to ask those questions. But what kind of things should we be looking for in companies, like whether it's questions we ask in an interview or even on our job search to know that we're finding companies that will 
you know, support that type of balance. Right. So the single most important thing you have to look for is whether or not there are any leaders in the company who have come up using flexible policies, whether that's part-time or working from home one day a week or whatever it is. If a company says we have these great policies and all their leaders basically worked around the clock, mm-hmm. <laughs> right. then, it's, then those are paper policies and you don't want it. A company that says, here's a partner and, you know, she worked part-time for a while, then she came back full-time, uh, or she worked from home, or, you know, she job-shared with somebody, or, and here's a man, you know, who was, took, sick, you know, a full paternity leave, uh, and then, uh, you know, he then tag-teamed with his wife. That's what you have to look at. You have to make sure that these aren't just uh, on paper. And then I always say that, you know, everybody says they support innovation. That's mm-hmm. the buzzword of right. <laughs> this, this year. Totally. And one of the questions I always like is, is, do they think that innovation applies only to product or also to process? In other words, are they thinking that new ways of working are also innovation? Because that's a good sign that they're really going to be open to experiment, which is what you need. You know, there, there is no one policy you know what? It's not like you can have flex time. I'll I'll come in late these days and I'll go home early those days. You know, human rhythms don't work that way. You, what you're really looking for is a company that treats you like an adult, that assumes you'll get your work done, and that it will be of a high quality. That ex- gives you feedback and manages for results, uh, and assumes you know the rest is up to you. Where do you think all of our work? Do you think our workplaces are headed to a to something more like that, where it's like flexibility goes eventually unspoken, like we don't have to seek it out and push for it? Like, do you think we're anywhere close to that? Well, I think we are heading in that direction. And I will just say I'm on a for-profit board, uh, and the, the head of HR came and, you know, made a presentation to the board, and she just said, millennials want to work anywhere, anytime, anyhow. And she was not talking about women who have children or men who have children or people who are caring for their parents. She was just saying, this is a generation where your work is your laptop, and why on earth should you park that laptop on, in a, on a desk at a fixed time you know, when, when you are meeting virtually half the time in your own office? Mm-hmm. So I do think we're heading in that direction, but we have a long way to go. Um, you know, we have a lot of legacy practices. We have my entire generation, which remember millennials are the biggest generation, but boomers are the second biggest. And we are still firmly in charge in many places. And many of us, you know, the major- vast majority of us really still you know, grew up where the person who sat at their desk the longest every day was the best worker. There's a lot of value in being in an office. Like, I can totally see that being face-to-face with your colleagues is you get infinitely more done talking to someone for five minutes than you do G-chatting back and forth because you get distracted (laughs) and you send a funny YouTube link and then it's like (laughs) you, like, close the tab. Like, you can't close a tab on a real human being. So (laughs) (laughs) there's, there's definite value in being in an office, but it would seem that, you know, the the close the more we get to exactly like the laptop way of work the more that it's easy to to put care and career kind of in the same place yeah completely and i my husband and i both say that the rest of the world needs to work more the way academics work. And, and really, mm-hmm. although in academia it's very hard to get tenure, once you, you, you're secure, 
and you, you can sort of figure out how much work, when you want to do it. But it's exactly, there are fixed islands of time in the week where you must be someplace. You must be teaching a class. You must be at a faculty meeting. You must be in a meeting with your deans or a committee meeting. So it's not like you don't have a place that you have to go and be physically present. You do, and that is very important. But then there are other whole parts of the week where really you are expected to be self-motivated getting your work done. Now, you know, not everybody is as self-motivated as people who go, who become uh, researchers and professors, but by and large, it's that mix of a fixed, you know, place and times when, yes, it's really important to be face-to-face, and then a lot of time where, look, it's it's up to individual schedulers. But I, I guess the only worry there, and maybe it's not a worry, but is the idea that they also say it's, you know, you don't want to be online all the time and plugged in all yes. the time and and to really devote some time to your family and to care whether it's for yourself or your parents or whoever you don't you can't get into the habit of so being so flexible that you're always on the clock I guess no and that's true and and that but that I think and that that I'm seeing a lot of change in even in my own workplace where we no longer email uh, on weekends or if we do somebody will send a text to say you know there's an email you have to check because mm-hmm. I have to send it uh, right now or I send emails on weekends when I'm thinking about it but they they have the headline don't respond till Monday yeah and I'm sending it because that's when I thought of it but but and I'm afraid I'll forget or sometimes even if I put it my drafts, I'll forget. But I think you that's that's what we think of as, as kind of good hygiene, good virtual hygiene around the office, where there's times you can be expect to be, you know, online and times not. And it's up to you if you want to work. So I mean a lot of people with young kids say, look, I want to go home at five. You know, I want to pick them up from daycare. I want to have time with them. I want to put them to bed. Fortunately, when they're little, you know, they're in bed by 7.30 or 8, and then you still have work time. And for many people, that works. That's fine. But then they can't necessarily expect their assistants, et cetera, to be online when they are. Right. Uh, but that's, that's just, you know, a question of, of sorting out just office etiquette. Right. Absolutely. And now normally when I close these episodes, I would say, you know, what's your one piece of advice for people my age who are maybe getting their first jobs? But you have a whole speech that people can look up with all of your (laughs) advice for people my age. So (laughs) I'm at a loss because we have all of this great information from you from all the commencement speeches you've given. Well, I guess the thing I would end with is I am trusting your generation to make this a human issue and not a woman's issue. The the most important change I think we need to make is really that we need to have the same expectations of young men around caregiving as we now have of young women around breadwinning. So all the young women you know, you were all raised to believe, of course, you would bring in an income. Of course, you would have a set of skills that allowed you to earn some money in some way. But the your you know your brothers and friends and uh, you know partners most of the world still looks at them and thinks you know caregiving is a nice to have not need to have mm-hmm. and your generation has to change that and just say look equality cuts both ways and we should expect all young men to be as adept in the, at at home as we expect young women in the office. 
Absolutely. Avery Slaughter, thank you so much for joining me today. I just want to remind everyone that, A, they should look up your University of Utah speech from this year, the commencement address, and they should buy your book, Unfinished Business. Both are inspiring and great resources and I think really important to read before you even start thinking about a family, just to know about how the world is changing and what options are out there. And I just am so glad I got to speak with you. Thank you. I really enjoyed it. That was Anne-Marie Slaughter, the president and CEO of New America. You can buy her book, Unfinished Business, wherever books are sold. Thank you so much for joining me for another episode of Adulthood Made Easy. If you have questions or comments you'd like me to answer in the future, just tweet them to me at Sam Zabel and I'll add them to my list. I'd like to thank our editor, Tim Einenkel, and our producer, Kristen Meinzer. If you are enjoying the show, please, we love the feedback. I love hearing who you'd like to find on the show. Feel free to give us a shout out in iTunes. The more you rate the show, the easier it is for other people to find all of this great advice we're giving. And be sure to check out the shout out we got in the most recent issue of Self Magazine. I'm Sam Zabel, and I'll see you next time.